My name is Rahana and I'm the founder of Mummy Yoga and your host on the Mummy Diaries podcast. The Mummy Diaries are heart-to-heart cafe-style conversations about our journey into becoming mothers. We will bring you all the wisdom from their village. The mothers who have walked the path before us, the professionals who spend their waking hours caring deeply about our issues, problems and our needs during these transformative times when we are thinking about starting a family or are pregnant or being a new mother. So grab coffee and biscuit and put your feet up or put your baby in a sling, grab your headphones and enjoy this episode on a nap walk. Hello everyone, I'm going to call this podcast The Disappearing Act. Like many of you, I have felt the burden of this year and I wanted to kind of take this moment, take this little window I found from inside of me to just share with you my journey And I hope that it might help some of you to identify with bits in the journey to and also to to normalize all these complex feelings, emotions, stresses that we've all shared. So first I want to make a declaration. Uh, I am... a shy introvert person in in many ways and yet i absolutely love thrive and enjoy the the interaction i get with all you mommy yoga ladies the most complex thing and the most interesting things if i take myself out of this for a minute has been my duality i have felt sad and cut off because i haven't met you for over a year now i haven't been able to share your journey your worries your stresses that we used to happily can kind of talk about in the studio and so there is that sense of distance which i have missed sorely and which I didn't realize how much it played a part in inspiring me to do the things that I felt so passionate about. On the other hand, I have learned what a quiet person I'd like to be, I am really, and how I enjoy my company tremendously. in the rare moments that i do get quiet such as this one so for me this year has been so intense with having a baby and watching a lot of the the business of mommy yoga if you like um kind of falling apart 
falling apart because there's so much reinvention there so it's 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 again hard to to kind of go through all of that reinvention and the that boxed feeling of being in the house or around very similar things has taken such a toll on me and i have you know um stepped out every now and then chatted with a few of you sometimes um some lovely random phone calls from people that i have either long not talked or people who just thought of me and picked up the phone and and called me and i did that in return to other people i just you know i said oh i'm not texting i'm calling and those special enchanted moments they were brilliant to kind of reconnect but overall we've spent a lot of our times more time this year on our own than we have in you know than we do normally i i connect with you guys a lot more on a normal basis so it has kind of shown me what a difference not being part of your journey has in a way i i want to kind of just restart the conversation on this podcast because the first thing i want to admit is i i just stopped doing a lot of the things that i enjoyed doing and it felt like it they all kind of happened slowly like i didn't stop one day but now i look back over the winter especially the winter so many things just got progressively harder and i started dropping balls intentionally may i say because it was just all too much so the podcast was was one of the balls that i dropped and um a few other things and i made priority for my children which was the one and only ball that i made up my mind that i wouldn't drop so that was the only promise i kept to myself and um my mornings so i want to talk about those two aspects and how it they that those two decisions of holding on to just two balls out of probably 200 how that has helped me and how after months of being in a in a in a in a hard place i've kind of rediscovered a little bit of a window of light again so i do want to just kind of unpack that over the year uh, past year we've all discovered ways of coping haven't we and there has been a lot of activity on the internet uh, everybody sharing their ways of coping for me it's been two things that feed my soul that i have kept my morning routine 
which in, in, includes my meditation and my writing habits, my a bit of stretching yoga kind of physical movement. And then showering the rest of the day with its energies to just childcare. And that has been as much a, a, a thought-through decision. It's been very hard for a person like me because identity has been a big part of how I am, who I am, what my identity is, how do I want to shape it, what, where, where does it lead, um, being a role model for my girls, all of those things are, are in a complex way tied to my identity. So I think it was important for me to, to, to kind of keep that and my morning routine helped me and then I could I could spend the rest of the day in this one big cape of motherhood. First, I want to talk about guilt, and I don't think that um, talking about recovering from a dark place, a dark hole, can be addressed without talking about guilt, because I feel that guilt, um, whether I brought it as my own guilt or I took on external guilts that I actually didn't want but seeped into my life. Guilt has been a really, really big beast to kind of navigate through. And even now, I struggle with it. So I think with being a mum... It's been one type of guilt or the other. So if I'm doing a good job, a great job of being a mom and we are playing Lego and we're having a great time and everybody is happy and fed and laughing, then there is the guilt of, oh, maybe I should have spent some time on some of those important stuff that was lying around the house. It's on the back of your mind. And when you reverse that, the terrible guilt of not spending enough time when your children are so little um, and watching them grow. So I think that it's, um, you know, I mean, I the, the, the guilt is, is not going to go away is what I have come to terms with. But what I have learned and what I will kind of um, ask you to explore in your life as well is micro-managing the guilt. I mean, what I say, what I mean by that is literally the smallest of things, just call it out when it's feeling guilty call it out 
and that's it. You are, I didn't do anything other than call it out. Now, I, it might be a moment in my journal. It might be just a moment in my head at that time when I recognised that what I was feeling was guilt. It didn't matter. So I took baby steps and every time I felt guilty just for anything, I just called it out. And what I've, again, in reflection, looked back on my diary recently and just kind of reflected back, I realised that the incidence, the, the the frequency of those moments where I just felt guilty for everything to I just um, didn't didn't mind that I didn't do a few things that I think I ought to do, which is what I said earlier, that the journey from dropping the balls, the 200 balls, to holding only the two balls was fraught and is fraught with terrible, terrible guilt. At first, I kind of said, oh, this is our modern way. And, you know, we we kind of know what everybody else is doing. So we are all the time comparing ourselves, but doing a little bit of research and reading and reading about old how how um, life for a mother worked in 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 olden days. I think this is comes part of the territory. And this is where I took solace from that. What I'm blaming on um, the modern ways or even on lockdown, it's just, just exaggerated, but that's always been there. Um, we're always only able to be in one place at one time. So I want to just kind of say something that helped me. Uh, practically so to one of the things that helped me was just calling it out but the other thing um that helped me from a practical perspective of time management which really helped the guilt as well was time blocking my activities so i decided that well what i learned was that the guilt was coming because i was here doing this activity and my mind was telling me that i ought to be doing the 10 others that i am not doing so i wasn't really enjoying the one that i was doing not to the fullest extent that i could be and let's not go over the, the the complexity of the guilt of not enjoying something to the fullest extent on top of that. It's, it's hilarious when you actually talk about it, isn't it? But uh, the thing that, that helped me so after I realized I was going through this and just the process of realizing made me go through it a bit less. So as I go through my diary, I, I noticed that I'm feeling these emotions less over the last month particularly but the the big change the the visible change that I made was time blocking in that that a particular time of the day was meant for that particular activity so that if I got five minutes or one hour but at that time of the day I only did that activity to the exclusion of all the others. 
So, for example, um, I'm recording this on a very early Saturday morning. Um, that's what I do on Saturday mornings. If I've got the time and my kids aren't needing me, um, I won't sit here scratching my head. Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I do what a million things? No, on a Saturday morning, I record and... Um, work on the podcast. I, I was very actually very good at this when we when it, in the early days and then that's where I lost that time block and then Saturdays sort of started um you know being eaten away by other things and that's how that consistency dropped as well which kind of impacted my mood and my productivity and all of those things. So I think that time blocking things again if I wake up rather early in the morning, which I most probably do, um, that activity has been sequestered, that time, sorry, has been sequestered for a particular activity. And in my case, it was wake up, have a coffee, and while my coffee's been made, I do a few stretches. I mean, I'm like... With that bit, it's like Pavlov's dog. When the coffee machine goes on, I go into my stretches, which is really, really something that wakes me up very gently, smelling the coffee, kind of going into a few deep stretches, taking away the stiffness of the night. And then as I drink my coffee and watch the sun come up, I try to just, you know, whether it's reflection, whether it's uh, journaling or sometimes just quiet contemplation. And then if I've got any more time and if uh, Ruby hasn't woken up, because I don't get big stretches of time, uh, Ruby might, you know, some, some days I might um, come up put the coffee on and Ruby's found me gone from the bed so she will she will want me back there. And um so if I every time I I I find myself with a bit more time. So if Ruby has slept through that, um I'll add the next activity, which in this case would be some meditation, some active breath work, which I am I'm totally getting into and I want to talk a lot about um all the breath practices that I've been exploring um which I will slowly bring into my work too. Uh, has been fascinating. Then if nobody wakes up and I've got a bit more time, I will probably go to writing my book. And there are rare occasions, I would say once or twice a week, where I get a good stretch of writing. Now this is where I thought I could, I could just sort of... Some of you have kind of asked me for... Uh, I mean, I... It might just be advice or it might just be, how did you do it, Rahana? How did you write a book? Um, I, what I've done is uh, given myself that time, but knowing that even if I give myself six days a week, in my case, sometimes I even give myself seven days a week, that that time is for writing the book in the morning. But that does not mean that as a new mom, I will get seven days a week to write that book. And I think that's the difference of the practical versus the plan uh, is to accept the fact that even though six days a week, the plan was to write the book between this time and this time. In reality, there are only one to two days a week that you actually get that time. 
But it was very important that I still didn't do other things in that time. So if I did, by chance, get that moment, I knew what I was doing. And that's been transformative. Not letting a lot of things eat into your time that you've blocked for a particular activity for you. It might be painting, it might be sewing, it might be gardening, whatever it is, that time of the day, you decide your priority. If your children are priority number one, then if they are, they need you, they need you. That's it. You've decided that that's priority. And then if they don't need you and you found yourself with that time on your own, then there's only one activity you are allowed to do you know you've set those boundaries for yourself so there is no umming and arming oh what shall I do what can I do I've got all these things on my list of things to do which one shall I pick and before you've you've kind of clouded your mind with that kind of uh, long list and looking down it guess what time's up so that's where I struggled with in the winter I kind of lost that particular focus and flow which really really impacted my mental health um so yeah i mean i kind of slowly have brought that back which is why um i'm recording this now um and the other thing that i have learned from decades of of counseling people on physical activity and nutrition is we're human beings. We Our lives are complex. We will always fall off the wagon. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. If someone's trying to lose weight and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of helping them on their journey to lose that weight and if they confess and say, oh, I ate that piece of cake because I was at this party and the cake was brilliant. Oh, my diet is, you know, now ruined or I didn't go to the gym. I almost always know that the the work here is mental, that we will always fall off this wagon. The winners are people who jump back on and who don't wallow in that moment where they've lost that um, moment. And uh, it's funny, uh, for me, the hard work is here in my in my day-to-day activities right now in this lockdown. So I'm trying to kind of pull these professional threads from my life and kind of bring it in other areas such as time blocking or this. I enjoy talking to a lot of you on podcasts and I am enjoying recording this piece as well. So to kind of bring myself back on the wagon and say, no, that's fine. People... I am talking to such as you know new mothers and pregnant women and will understand the 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 complexities of not being able to do something as regularly as I had hoped which is why I am restarting the podcast with this honest kind of um, talk um, and uh, with myself so that I can can honestly come to you and say the mother diaries, the mommy diaries, I want to honestly come to you and say that the mommy diaries are a real piece of 
raw motherhood. I want to be part of this rawness and I want to invite you in this most non-judgmental space to chronicle the days of motherhood and even though we may become quiet or not share our world for a short time it is okay it is okay to hibernate I for the first time in my life realized that I was actually truly hibernating over the dark days and the long nights. And it felt a little bit in sync with nature rather than in sync with alarm clocks and 9am meetings and 7am train journeys. It's very interesting, though it was it felt really hard, but I think it felt hard because we haven't done it. We didn't have... If we didn't have anywhere to go and our minds just kind of... So many of you that I've chatted with have talked about the winter and didn't feel like doing much and didn't feel like talking to a lot of people. I think for the first time, maybe we are actually sinking with the rhythms of the world. Um, I don't know for sure if that's what we're doing, but it certainly feels like that because now that the weather is changing, the sun's coming up a little bit uh, earlier in the day, I'm feeling the sense of positivity that is shared by people I meet on, on you know, or, or interact with. So I think that we collectively are re-engaging with the rhythms of nature which could be a happy side effect of lockdown. I want to bring this very uh, reflective and uh, reconnecting episode to a gentle close by inviting you to reach out to me and share your stories were you hibernating over the winter? Did you feel that the winter of lockdown was a hard place? How did you cope? And what were the special moments where you probably learned something so deep and profound about yourself and uncovered a truth that without this confinement you may not have had the opportunity to do so i'd love to hear your your particular take on this so please reach out to me if you'd like to kind of come and share your experience on one of the episodes we might be able to collate all the experiences or you might just want to simply write an email or a comment or just kind of you know let me know your your version of how you coped and uh, maybe we can bring it together in some form or the other because I know that these stories one are not isolated and two we all have such lovely unique ways of 
of doing things which might inspire each other. So it'll be nice to share that with our whole community. Thank you. Thank you for listening. what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button. This podcast is made possible by all of you, so thank you very much for your support. And now, back to the show. To break the mood of this reflective piece, I thought it would be amazing to leave you with an absolutely brilliant bit of birth education. It comes in the form of a rap by the amazing Up North Dola. So she's on Instagram and I'll put her details in the show notes. But when I first heard it, I loved it. I got in touch with her and I said, please, can I use your amazing piece on sharing it with uh, my community on the podcast? And, you know, she was uh, she was really delighted. So uh, here it is. uh, Emily from Up North Dola. Cesarean birth is still birth. No less of a mother, know your worth. And for those of you who did not get to choose the outcome of your birth, it is okay to grieve that. Because through the grieving, there's healing. About one third of babies are born by C-section. So please hear this because it's worth to mention. Whether it was planned or an emergency, here's some things to know after your surgery. Move as soon as you can. Take it slow when you stand. Make sure to wear a belly band. If you laugh, cover, sneeze, have a pillow to squeeze. You'll have a catheter to drain your pee. Did you fart? Way to go. One step closer to going home. No recoveries that one size fits all. So if you need help, don't hesitate to call. Your scars will be numb, so allow your heart to feel. All emotions, good or bad, are valid and real. Because if your birth was traumatic and scary, that is something you will always carry. But don't carry it as a burden. Wear it like a crown. You may have been put under, but you didn't drown. Inhale, exhale, you did not fail. Not the easy way out. Beloved, you prevailed. Cesarean birth is still birth. Thank you for tuning in to the Mummy Diaries. Just like everything we do at Mummy Yoga, we want to bring you the voices from our community, sprinkled with strong evidence-based information and guidance from the best in the field of pregnancy, birth and new motherhood. If you identify with this pivotal shift away from dogma, myths and received wisdom, then this modern tribe is yours. Come on in. You will find information on all the work that we do on our website at mummyyoga.com. See you in the next episode. Stay subscribed. Mm -hmm.